The church, before we go any further this morning, would you pause with me in prayer as we acknowledge our dependence upon our God. Father, we turn to you today and, oh Lord, we believe the truths of your word. We believe that you are indeed exactly who you say you are. Lord, that you are mighty and faithful, that you are sovereign and you are true. Lord, that you are king and yet you are compassionate and you are near and you are with us and your spirit is our guide and our comfort. And so, Lord, we pray that you would guide us now. Father, we pray that as your people known as Meadowbrook Baptist Church, Lord, we pray that we would cry out to you and father that we would depend upon you and that we would trust in you and that we would be honest and lord that we would be open and that we would be committed together to care well for those that you have entrusted to us and so lord where we have not done so well forgive us father where we need to be led clearly anew by you guide us father where There are those that are hurting in our midst. We pray that you would comfort and that you would restore. Lord, that you would reconcile and that you would work, that you would work even now. Father, work now for the glory of Jesus as we open your word. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, church, this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and following, but before we read that text, I want you to hear uh, me say that if I knew now, if I knew then in 2018 and 2019 what I know now, that uh, I would have handled the nearness of the particular incident referenced in that video differently. And so I want you to hear me say, un- I want you to hear me say openly that. That I did not handle that. We did not handle that as well as we could have. And no doubt there are other things that have taken place in the life of the church and the leadership of the church that we have not handled as well as we could. And certainly for God's glory. And so we want him to lead us clearly in that way. And so where I have not, where other leaders in the church have not, forgive us. And at the time that this particular incident came out in the open in 2018, where there were accusations, and then 2019, where there were charges against this particular evangelist, Acton Bowen, my response at the time, I think, was a sigh of relief, right? That no one, assuming that no one was hurt in our own context, and certainly we are grateful and pray that that is the case, but... Perhaps a more Christ-honoring response was to be brokenhearted for those that were and not to assume that, that no one has been here. And so I want you to know whether or not that particular incident has directly affected you or your family or some other incident, past or present. We are committed as a church family. Your pastor is committed. Lay leaders in the church are committed. Our ministry staff is committed to being a safe place and a safe Space. Just as we said last week, we will not shame or shun. We will not be silent. We will love and we will care and we will support and we will listen to survivors. And so if you've been directly impacted by this issue of abuse or trauma in your home, in your community, in this church or another church, please know that we stand beside you and we are prepared to listen to you and 
want to come alongside you to seek Christ with you. And so to that end, once again, our Caring Well team, members of our Caring Well team are available this morning during this time. And for the remainder of our service, they're there in in the lobby, and if you simply want someone to, to listen to you, or you simply need to share something, or uh, you want someone to pray with you, just know that they're available. Once again, feel the freedom to get up and move. Feel the freedom to come and go, or simply to go, if the Spirit prompts you in that way. With that being said, we, we need to hear from the Lord today, and so we want to hear from the Lord. Let's open the words of the Lord, and let's hear from Him. And we're in Mark chapter 10 today, verses 13 through 16, a well-known exchange between Jesus and his disciples regarding children, but something, a, a word from Christ that I think we all need to hear afresh and anew today. And so let's invite the Lord to speak to us. As you find your place there in Mark chapter 10, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's holy word. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, the Bible reads this way. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And Jesus took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Would you pause with me once again for prayer? Father, speak to us now. Instruct us now. Lead us now for the glory of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when we hear about the Acton Bowens, when we hear about the Pete Newmans and the Larry Nassers and the Jerry Sanduskys, we're often sent for an emotional whirlwind, for we are, we are naturally conditioned to believe that those in positions of prominence and of status, of success and of authority are models to emulate, right? Competent and respected by peers and surely blessed by God. But you don't have to listen to Jesus long to know that's often not the case. Right? Just, just a quick read of the gospel accounts, just a quick read of Matthew and Mark and Luke shows that all of them, all of those writers placed this particular in exchange between Jesus and his disciples regarding children just prior, immediately prior to Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler who asked what he must do to inherit eternal life. And so in the first of those, in Jesus' conversation about the children, Jesus receives the children. He receives the little ones, a class of people often rejected as lowly, as unimportant. But in the second, Jesus rejects a wealthy, law-abiding ruler, someone most often revered and honored and accepted. Considered to be important. So once again, as we hear from Christ, as we open His Word, we see that the values of God's kingdom contrast rather sharply with the values of this world. Dane Ortland has written, With Christ, our sins and weaknesses are the only resume items that qualify us 
to approach him. Now, in this particular story, these are probably younger children. In fact, in Luke's account, he says that there were babies that were brought to Jesus. And so here are these folks who've heard that this up and coming and teacher of the word, this up and coming rabbi who knows the scriptures and who teaches with authority and who even performs miracles has come to town. And so they come to him and they bring their little ones to him, wanting him to bless their children. Nothing particularly unusual about that in that day. Perhaps that would be kind of like us being drawn to celebrities of our own day and taking our own kids to them, posing even if we can for a picture with them. They're bringing their little ones to Jesus and the disciples are aggravated. Considering the children a hindrance, right? Inhibiting the impact of Jesus's ministry. They're a detraction and a deterrent in their minds. And so they scold the people. They rebuke the people bringing them. Probably the parents, the moms and dads, although we're not even told. The words of R.T. France, yet their very anonymity helps to make the point about status. They and their children are not anybody special. Except that they are to Jesus. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Church, since children are precious to Jesus, they should be precious to us. Since children are precious to our Savior, to our Redeemer, it naturally should become precious to those who know this Savior. Jesus has a special fondness for kids, evidenced by his response here to the disciples' dismissal of their parents. Verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Guys, what are you, what are you doing? No, let these ones, let them come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. By the way, this is the only time we're told that Jesus was indignant in the Gospels. He is outraged. He's irritated over how his political handlers, so to speak, are restricting access to his presence. And church, if that was our Savior's response, if that was Jesus' response to little ones, to children being prohibited from experiencing his love, how should we respond to the neglect and abuse of children that is so prevalent, all too prevalent in our day? Friends, we should be outraged. We should be brokenhearted. We should be ready to care for the one in four girls sexually abused before age 18. We should be outraged. We should be brokenhearted. We should be ready to care for the one in 13 boys. Many statistics higher than that. One in 13 boys sexually abused before age 18 in our day. We should speak God's truth And show his love on the evils of abortion and child poverty and sex trafficking. Ready to stand in the gap and to love those impacted by such trauma. 
See, since children are precious to Christ, they should be precious to us. Jesus said, do not hinder them. Do not hinder them. Let's be clear. Wolves in sheep's clothing, imposters in the sheep pen, hinder these precious little ones from coming to Christ. So this is part of the reason that we've, we've jumped into this Caring Well initiative, this emphasis, because children and students are vulnerable, too often preyed upon by predators pretending like Amnon to be something they're not. And by God's grace, may we commit ourselves to vigilance. Church, may we commit ourselves to training. May we commit ourselves to transparency, to doing whatever it takes to love and care for the little ones entrusted by God to us. See, since children are precious to Christ, they should be precious to us. We must not hinder them. Instead, we should love them. Let's love them to Jesus. Let's love them to Jesus. Friend, will you love children toward Jesus? Are you more like the disciples with no time for babysitting? Or are you ready and willing to do whatever it takes to see the generations coming behind us here and respond to the good news of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone? Will you, will you prayerfully consider serving in the nursery? Will you prayerfully consider serving with babies or toddlers or preschool age kids? Will you carefully consider serving or helping with our Meadowbrook Kids Ministry or supporting our student ministry, doing whatever it takes to help ensure that these whom God has entrusted to us are not hindered from coming to Christ, but instead know and experience the the rescuing Love of Jesus Christ. Meadowbrook, let's love them to Jesus. And secondly, let's lead them to Jesus. Let's lead them to Jesus. To the Savior. Children are precious to Christ. They're worth our Savior's time. They're valuable in His eyes. So let's lead them to Jesus in our homes, right? In our homes. Praying with them. And praying over them and participating in family worship times together with them. Modeling a gospel-saturated life for them. Showing them by our leading in the home what it looks like to know and to follow Jesus. Modeling what it means to cry out to God in times of despair and distress. Modeling what it means to confess our sins to the Lord. And what it means to give thanks for God's provision in the home. With moms and dads taking the lead on instructing their children in the faith, in the home, but also in the church, in Christ's church. In the church, what does this look like? Well, it means saturating, I think, our age group ministries from the very youngest all the way through children's ministry and student ministry, saturating our age group ministries with the gospel Partnering with parents, coming alongside them to encourage children to know and to follow Jesus. Perhaps committing portions of our ministry budgets to help children who are otherwise in need. These are, these are ways that we can love and lead children, these little ones, to Jesus. For not only are children incredibly, incredibly loved by Christ. We see that rather clearly in our text for this morning. We see it elsewhere in the New Testament, but certainly in this account. Not only are, are children incredibly loved by Jesus, but Jesus...
calls the rest of us to learn from them. So he instructs us to love them and to lead them, but also to learn from them. He calls us to learn about his kingdom from them. Did you catch that? Christ himself calls us to learn about his kingdom from children. From the lowest members of society. The ones often ignored and overlooked, the weak, the dependent, the vulnerable. Jesus says, verse 15, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that saving faith is childlike faith. He's saying you can't enter my kingdom if you don't come with the posture of a child. I think Jesus' words here resemble the rest of his ministry. Like where we read that when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus began teaching them. Sheep need a shepherd. Children need a provider. Someone to love and lead and care and to guide them. And they know it. They know it. Not what you did yesterday, but yesterday I spent most of the day working in the yard. Not because I wanted to. I didn't want to at all, I'll be honest with you, but I knew I needed to. And so I took advantage of the opportunity and went out in the yard and did some yard work. And my boys are still young enough that uh, sometimes they want to help out with such things. Not always, but yesterday was one of those days they wanted to help out. And so they were right there in the middle of it, helping Dad. And so they were asking about that. Dad, can I help you? And I think they were particularly excited because they had some tools in their hands that they've never used before. Some clippers and things. And so there they were, asking throughout the day when I would go, Dad, I want to help you. Can I help you? I want to, I want to cut with you. It doesn't last that. It's not that way for very long, is it? Right? Little ones know they they need help. They know that they're dependent upon others. But as they enter their teenage years, they often think otherwise, feeling fully capable of calling their own shots. And it never really reverts from there. Not to pick on teenagers. It really doesn't change from there. Because as we grow... As we mature into adulthood, we lose our sense of dependence on others. But Jesus is saying here, you can't enter my kingdom without a childlike acknowledgement of complete and utter dependence upon me. And Paul writes in Romans six twenty-three: for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, the gift of God. I don't want to pick on anybody this morning, but I'm going to pick on Jack for a moment. Because I know he won't get upset about this. But Jack, who's a mature believer, right? but Jack the adult, let's just assume that he has no sort of background in the faith, in the gospel at all. And I, I was going to share that verse from Romans 6 with Jack. Jack, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ the Lord. Do you, do you want to receive the gift? Jack's response probably is going to be something like, what? What's the catch? What do you mean? Where, where's the loophole? Where's the fine print? What do you mean there's a, there's a gift to be received? What are I going to do? Is it not based somehow on my own doing and merit and accomplishment? But if Jack the child, the young child, heard the same 
facts. You want, you want eternal life? There's a gift from God for all who receive it. Do you want to receive the gift? Absolutely. I'll take the gift. No strings attached. I'll take it. Thanks for the gift, right? Jesus is saying, that's the distinction between the way folks often come to Him and the way the children naturally come to Him. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. When Jesus says as much, He's not trying to keep folks out. Rather, He's telling us how to get in. Like little children, we must come helpless and humble. Come to Christ humble and helpless. Come to Jesus humble and helpless. The lives of children are in the hands of another and they know it. They know it. Children know it. Elsewhere, Jesus is recorded saying, you must take the lowly position of a child or you must humble yourself like a child to enter his kingdom. God's kingdom belongs to the humble, those who recognize their need for Christ, submitting to and following after Jesus. A humble perspective captured by the response of a pair of Galilean fishermen confronted by Christ. You know the story. Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. They're doing what they know to do. They're providing for their family. They're, They're doing what they've been gifted to do. They're doing what they know so that... So that their family can be cared for. They're they're doing what they always do. And Jesus says, Hey guys, come, follow me. Quit fishing for all these fish. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What? Can you sort of imagine? Makes you wonder, was was there a conversation between these guys in the boat? Did they look at each other? What's this guy talking about? Mark says that once they left their nets. And followed him. Humble and helpless. Like little children. Let's come to Christ. Humble and helpless. Trusting. And hopeful. Let's come to Christ. Trusting. And hopeful. Like children naturally trust those in positions of authority over them. Which is why, by the way, our Caring Well initiative includes new awareness Training and procedural guardrails for serving in our Meadowbrook children's ministry. Because unfortunately, just as our Savior warned, in this world there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And we cannot depend, it makes no sense to depend on children to recognize such. They're not responsible for such. It's not their responsibility. And as you well know, we are not immune from them. As long as the enemy has sway in this world, we can bank on encountering them. For the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But there is good news. Because Jesus says that He has come that we may have life. That we may have life and have it to the full. Oh friends, the good shepherd, the good shepherd is totally trustworthy. Are you Trusting Him. He is faithful in every single way. Are you following after Him? He has promised to come again someday. Are you waiting on Him? Do you know Him? Do you believe Him? Are you loving and leading your kiddos, these precious ones God has entrusted to you to follow after Him? 
I said before, I know I'll say it again. The biggest blessing that you can give to your children, moms and dads, is a legacy of loving Christ. Of following after Christ. Are we leading and loving our kids to hear and respond to the gospel of Christ? You see, Jesus loves children. That's crystal clear from His Word. Jesus loves children. And He calls us to become like children to enter His kingdom. Our Savior loves children. He loves these little ones. And He calls us to become like them to enter His eternal kingdom. In fact, Jesus' love for children is so sure and it's so strong that I believe, based on the Bible, based on Scripture, that those who tragically leave this world as little ones are saved for eternity in the arms of Christ. Now, Jesus doesn't say as much here. He doesn't explicitly unpack that here. But He does show us God's heart For children, God is gracious, He's merciful, and He's good, and He especially cares for children. But also, in addition to His character, the Bible seems to express confidence, if we look for it, that believers will see their young children after death. Like you might jot down 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, where King David expresses as much. King David expresses confidence that he will one day go to his infant child, that he will one day see his infant child who was passed just days after birth as a result of David's sin. But but third, and perhaps most compelling, is the level of accountability to which God holds these little ones. You might write write down Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, where the children are not held responsible for the disobedience of the Israelite community as a whole, where God says to the adult generation, the mature generation, you're, because of your lack of faith, your disobedience, you're not going to see the promised land. But these little ones, and Deuteronomy tells us clearly as much, these little ones are still allowed by God to enter the land. Some theologians also point to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and following, where Paul writes that people are without excuse for their sin because God has made His glory known. He's made His character known Through creation, there's enough in creation to discern, naturally discern that there is a God, that He's good, that we're responsible to Him, and so we're left without excuse for disobeying Him. The point is not that children are sinless. They're not sinless. They're not innocent. We say as much, but they're not. And naturally inherit a sin nature, guilty before God because of their sin. But the point is that young children cannot discern God's glory in creation in the same way as the rest of us. In other words, they don't learn how to sin. It's natural to them. But only as they grow do they learn about the glory of God, leaving them without excuse. Now, I think that's the most popular perspective of the evangelical church today when it comes to children who pass from this life early. But Bible interpreters have disagreed on this issue. However, let me tell you what is absolutely Crystal clear from God's Word, a perspective on which there is no biblical debate whatsoever. Jesus loves children, and He calls all to come like children to enter into His kingdom. There is no pass for us. There is only one avenue. There is only one way to reconciliation with God. There is only one path to forgiveness of sins. There is only one avenue to eternal life with Christ, and that is faith in the Christ. 
who went to the cross for you. So friend, put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Christ. Trust in Christ. Put your faith in the Christ who welcomes children and all who come with a childlike faith and trust into His eternal kingdom. No, God, would you help us to trust you? God, would you help us to follow you? Lord, would you lead us to believe in you and to lay our lives before you? Lord, not to come with a list of what we've done and why we deserve your kindness. Lord, we do not. But, Father, help us to come like children, trusting you, clinging to your grace, acknowledging our deficiency, our sin, our guilt, the stain of our sin before you, but readily receiving with great thanksgiving the provision of your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and faith to believe. Help us to follow after you. Lead us to follow Jesus. And give us the energy. Father, give us the desire. Give us a great joy in investing in the generations to come that they too might know and follow Christ. For the glory of Christ, until Christ our Savior and King returns. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.